We turn in God's Word this week again to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. The book of Ephesians, chapter 5. Picking it up again at verse 15 and then reading through the end of the chapter. For those of you who are visiting and were not with us last Lord's Day, uh, we dealt with the section in this passage in which husbands are called to love their wives as Christ loved the church. So that was last Lord's Day. So to get the context of where we are today, you might want to go back and Listen to that one as well. Verse 15 then of Ephesians chapter 5. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I am saying it refers to Christ and the church. However... Let each of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's again bow in prayer. Our Father, Lord and heaven, we thank you for this portion of your word. We ask that it is a blessing to us. We ask that you will be with Pastor Bob as he brings this word, as he speaks on this word. Guide him and keep him. And forgive us of all our many sins, as we ask in your name alone. Amen. And amen. And although we've been dealing for the last uh, four Lord's Days with the subject of marriage, I hope you understand that because of the way in which the Bible integrates this, that this is really about our relationship to Christ. So whether you're married or not, these messages are indeed applicable for your life. Because we read, as we did last week and studied, the extent of Christ's love. 
And with that love being extended, how does the church respond to that love? It submits to Christ. It's about our relationship to him and his relationship to us, which is given to us in the picture of marriage. That's why marriage and a Christian marriage is indeed a very powerful and effective tool of evangelism. It's a tool of missions. If you're really concerned about missions, if you're really concerned about evangelism to this world, one of the means that God gives for us to do so is by our marriages. Hopefully also, to those of you who are unmarried, uh, you're gaining at least some information. Hopefully you're beginning to think about what should I be looking for? To a young man who is unmarried, but perhaps thinking about it, the question becomes, can I love this young woman as Christ commands me? Can I truly love her as Christ loves the church? Can I truly lay down my life? Can I truly sacrifice? Can I truly love her fully, completely, as long as we both shall live? If there's any hesitation in that, then one ought to stop and pause and think about whether or not this is a relationship that ought to be continued, as well as for a young woman. This morning we read from God's Word about a wife submitting to her husband. You're learning about that young man. You're learning about what he's like. Is he someone that you're going to be able to do that which God's Word calls you to? Perhaps there are others of you who have enjoyed marriage in the course of your lifetime, but your spouse is no longer here. Your spouse has either passed away, or perhaps your spouse divorced you. And there is a great void, there is a great emptiness in your life. Of course there is. Because of the importance of this relationship but understand that Christ knows that hurt and that pain as well and that he desires to be all for you and so look to him once again as well fourthly we'd have to say and to acknowledge we're all sinners are we not If any one of you, husbands, were to answer the following question, are you a perfect husband, and you were to say yes, I'm sure there's somebody next to you saying, don't put your hand up. Perhaps a little less hesitantly so, but the same would be true for any wife here. Are you a perfect wife? Even if you're tempted to say yes, you need to think again because the Gospel of John says if any one of us thinks that we are without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. We are not perfect. We are not Christ. And we are not the glorified bride of Christ in glory. We are not. We live in a sinful world. We live in a world in which not only is our world affected by sin, so are our lives and therefore so are our marriages. We are not perfect. 
And when that imperfection occurs, we need to confess. We need to acknowledge that. We need to acknowledge it to the Lord. We need to acknowledge it to one another. And we need to forgive one another. But we also need to strive. Step by step. Step by step. Strive to be husbands as Christ loves the church. Strive to be wife as the church submits to Christ. So we want to look at three things from this picture that Paul gives to us through the Holy Spirit here in Ephesians chapter 5. First of all, that there is again a distinctive call. Secondly, there is a distinctive command. And thirdly, the distinctive character of that which a wife is called to. First of all, a distinctive call. It is wives, and again, it's a clear teaching. The wife is in the feminine. The husband is a male now. And that's it. Just the two of them. That's it. This is the way God made man and woman, male and female. This is what a marriage is to be, a male and a female. It is another fallacy of the evolutionary theory of this world and of evolutionary teaching that there is anything but. There is no third, fourth, or 62 different options. We are created by God as males and females. Wives. Clear teaching of God's word. Secondly, it is wives which indicates, again, a role, a responsibility. And I want you to note that it is a responsibility that exists before the fall. This word of the Spirit to us is not post-fall. This is the way God designed it before man fell into sin. Husbands were to love their wives. Adam was to love Eve. And Eve was to submit to Adam. Submission is not a result of sin. Oh, the distortion of it the problem with it, the rebellion, the tyranny of it, that is a result of sin. But it exists before the fall. Let me give you an example. All of creation was to be submissive to God. The creation submissive to the creator. Submission was not sinful. God saw all that he had made and behold it was very good. Within the Trinity, Jesus says, I have come to do the Father's will. He is submitting himself to the Father. He's done that for all of eternity. Submission is not a result of sin. Even in Adam and Eve's relationship, the Bible tells us that part of this setup of the responsibility for the husband to be the head of the wife and so on, is rooted not in the fall, but in the creation order. That Adam was created first and then Eve. 
It is Eve who is brought to Adam. It is Adam who names Eve. All of those are evidences and pictures that God is giving to us of the fact that submission exists before the fall. Even in our new relationships with one another. Christians are to submit to each other. Not out of sin. But this is the way God desires for it to be. In creation. And once again, there are multiple texts. You have Colossians 3.18, which basically is the repetition of what we find here in Ephesians. You have 1 Peter 3, 4 through 6, which again basically repeats this idea of the wife's responsibility in this specific command to submit as the church to Christ. The husband's responsibility was to love his wife as Christ loved the church. For the wife, the responsibility, the role, the function is to submit as the church does to Christ. So first of all, what does the word submit mean? Well, it means to place oneself under. It means to rank oneself below. It means to give honor to another or to give obedience to another. And we cringe. And we cringe because of the world in which we live in. Eve did not cringe. The son does not cringe. But you see, we live in a world in which Romans 12.2 is not being followed. Romans 12.2 is the reminder that we are not to conform to the pattern thinking of this world. But we are to live transformed life by the renewal of our minds. Step by step, placing ourselves under the authority of God's word. But our world, you see, knows of no such thing. Probably if this had been out on the placard, out in front of church, we might well have had protesters outside this morning. Because the world can't conceive of this. Our society doesn't get this. We're not conformed to the thinking of the world. We're to be transformed. And it would be my prayer this morning that as we look at this and continue to look at it, that our minds would not be shaped by the voices of our world, but that our mind and our heart and our lives and our marriages would be shaped by God's word, by its truth. Wife, you are called to place yourself under your husband. You are called to rank yourself below. You are called to honor your husband and to give obedience to your husband as the church does to Christ as the church 
Now, what is meant by that? Some building, some organization? No. What is meant by the word church here are those who are loved by Christ. To those who are chosen by Christ. For those for whom Christ lays down his life. For those who are sanctified by Christ. For those who are part of the body of Christ. See, we're, you're not called to submit to tyranny. You're not being called to submit to some tyrannical dictator. You are called as the church submits to Christ. He loves you. He cares for you. He chose you above all others. He desires to see you grow and deepen in your relationship with Christ. Yes, that's your husband. He doesn't do it perfectly. He doesn't say it enough. He doesn't talk about it enough. But that is his desire. He desires to be Christ in your marriage and in your relationship. He's frustrated when he blows it. He's angry with himself when he sees the tyranny that sometimes he imposes upon your life, the selfishness with which he lives. But as the church gladly submits to Christ, because we know of his love, we know of his care, we know how he lays down his life for us. So a wife is called to submit as the church does to Christ. To Christ. To Christ who is the one who is the king and head of the church. To the one who is the Lord of lords. To the one who is the king of kings. To the one who could truly say... All authority has been given unto me. Now submit. He does not. Christ does not use his kingship and Christ does not use his headship to subject people. And this is a reminder to us husbands. If you have used from Ephesians chapter 5 the thought that from this chapter this gives me the right to say I am the king and head of this castle, 
you miss the boat. Because Christ never lays that kind of claim upon us. Wife, you are to submit as the church does to Christ. And husband, you are to love that wife as Christ does the church. But what is that way? How, how does the church submit to Christ? What does, it, what, does that, what does that look like? Okay, and, and maybe if we can figure out what it means for the church to submit to Christ, how does it do that? How does the church submit to Jesus? Then maybe we'll have some clues as to what it means then for a wife to submit to her husband. So just like I did with the guys last week, there's six things. Didn't want, you didn't want to think I was shortchanging you ladies by giving you only four or have the guys go, how come they got, we got six, they only got four, okay? And everybody's the same here. The outline is basically the same, in case you didn't notice. One, how does the church submit to Christ? One, it submits willingly. Submission is the willful act of the one who is under authority. Subjection is that which the one in authority does to somebody underneath them. Notice the phrase is not wives be in subjection. See, it takes away this, this concept of that somehow I, I'm forced into doing this. If, if yours is a forced submission, it's not submission. You haven't been obedient to the word of God. Yours has been then becoming the subject of. You've been under subjection, not submission. Because you see, when you and I hear of Christ's love for us, when we hear of Christ's grace, when we hear of Christ's mercy, what do we do? We're wooed by Christ. We're, we're drawn to Christ. We willingly, we willingly say, Lord Jesus, I love you. Nobody's putting a, a gun to our head. Nobody's threatening to kill us. Say you love Jesus or you die. No. Christ doesn't operate that way. Christ is not in that vindictive mode. Christ is not that violent mode. Christ does not respond this way. Christ simply loves, and we come willingly to the love of Christ. See, that's what submission is. 
That's what the church does. That's what believers do. We're not in some death march in the church. I'm serving Christ. I'm serving Christ. I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm serving Christ. No, this is, I'm serving Christ. I'm willingly, I'm willingly coming to him to love him. Oh, I know we talk in our reform circles about being drawn by the Holy Spirit, but it is still God never forces any one of us. We come willingly to Christ. And that's the way a wife is to submit to her husband. Willingly. I have never conducted a wedding yet. Now, the attitude might have been there, okay? Can't rule that out. But I've never conducted a wedding yet in which the couple has asked me, when you do the vows, Pastor Bob, could you, could you state them this way? I put in the wife's, the girl's name, willingly subject myself to my husband. No, no. I am forced into being obeyed. I am forced into, against my will, I will love you for richer or for poorer. I am forced into loving you in sickness and in health. I am forced into loving you in life and in death. I am forced into it. No, not even willingly subjected to it. No. Do you... Take so-and-so as your husband. Do you, do you, do you willingly committing our lives to one another? This is what our marriage is to represent. The love of Christ poured out. The love of Christ received. Secondly, the church submits not only willingly, but the church also submits completely. Partial obedience to Christ, we would call sin. If the church is only partially obedient to Christ, we, we would call it sin. Yeah, we heard Christ. Christ said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But in our church, we're going to rule that adultery is okay. Yeah, we heard Christ say, thou shalt not steal, but... In our church, we're going to allow for theft. We go, what kind of church is that? It's a disobedient, sinful church. The church is called to complete obedience to Christ. That's how the church submits. That is to be the church's attitude. Christ, whatever it is, you tell me. We are Willing to be obedient to that which you call us to do. But you see, Christ never calls us to do something sinful, does he? See, and here's one of those, those fine lines that works our, itself into our marriage. So we say, you know, well, my husband wants me to lie on our income tax for it. Am I supposed to submit? Well, of course not. 
Of course you don't submit to sin. You say, well, the Bible says I'm supposed to submit to my husband. Yes, as the church does to Christ. Look at verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Meaning in obedience to the Lord. So wives, if your husband asks you to do something that is sinful, something that is a crime, something that is a felony, something that is wrong, he gets pulled over, and you know very well he's drunk. And he says, hey, switch places with me. Not on your life. And if he pulls, you must be submissive to me, you say, no, I don't. Not here. Because the church never submits to sin. That's not submission. That's subjection. You as a wife are called to be submissive. Not to be the subject of your husband. And so the church submits completely. To Christ. And so, husband, here's a reminder to you. You can never ask your wife to do something that is sinful and then expect her to comply. That's wrong. Because then you're not loving her as Christ loved the church. Third, the church submits respectfully. The church has the attitude of honoring Christ. Think the church would ever think of cursing Christ? Think the church would ever think of belittling Christ? Think the church would ever think of throwing something at Christ out of anger? How does the church submit to Christ respectfully? That's what Paul said here, right? And let the wife see that she respects her husband. It's all part and parcel of this. If you've ever cussed out your husband, if you've ever belittled your husband, if you've ever dishonored your husband, that's sin. You say, yeah, but he's a, he, he is a dirty, stinking, rotten sinner. He's horrible. Yes, and he perhaps also is and should be a believer. And he is to the church the one that the church continually honors. That doesn't mean that there aren't times for discussion. That doesn't mean that it isn't a point of correction. That's not what it means. But it does have to do with honoring. The church is always to honor Christ. That's how it submits. Fourthly, the church also submits obediently. And you say, well, what's the difference between that and what you said in B? Well, I'm thinking more of attitude. 
Not just an outward, but an inward submission. Not just an outward doing of the, the duties or tasks or that which a husband perhaps has asked, but it's the inward emotional attitude. We all know because we see it in our children, right? They can outwardly obey while inwardly they are seething at us. And rightly, as parents, we'd call them to task and say, you're not really obeying me. You're not really following through here because of the attitude of your heart. Wives, the same thing is true for you. The church submits obediently, not just doing some outward rites and rituals. That's just form and custom. The church is to have an inward attitude of submission to Christ, a desire it wants to serve Christ. It wants to submit to Christ. This then is what Paul and the Spirit are calling wives submit to your own husband as to the Lord. Fifthly, the church submits purely. Church submits purely. Let's suppose this coming Thursday we were to have a wedding here. And at that wedding, the grandparents ushered in, rest of the bridal parties in, and here comes the bride. Okay? being ushered down the aisle. Before she gets to the front, she spots an old flame down one of the rows. And she stops, lets go, climbs over a couple of pews, and just embraces that guy, lays a big kiss upon him, Okay, and says, oh, oh, how I love you. You are my one and only. Oh, you, you are the greatest thing in my life. How I love you. She lets go of the embrace, gets back in the aisle, comes down the aisle and says, now let's finish the wedding. You go, boy, I hope, Pastor Bob, you don't do that wedding because something's wrong, isn't there? Right? Yeah. There's something wrong when the church does not purely love Christ alone. When the church is, well, we love this, we love that. Yeah, Christ is part of it, but he's just one facet of the church. He's not the, the object of our passion, the object of our love, the object of our commitment. Wives. Submit to your husband as Christ does the church, or as the church does to Christ, purely. The one object of your love and affection. Well, I know there's a place for those children and for those grandchildren, but they're not to have the same place as him. There's a place for your career, there's a place for all the other things, but not his place. Love purely. 
purely not only in terms of, of the reality of it in life, but in terms of the mind as well. So easy to be captivated by romance stuff and soap opera type stuff and, you know, some other woman talking about her husband and all the good things he does and making your husband look like some sort of slime ball and thinking, oh, I wish I had her husband. And then the eye begins to rove. Now, as the church submits to Christ purely, purely, him and him alone is the object of your love in your marriage. Obviously not displacing Christ and God, but in your marriage. And lastly, the church submits confidently. Confidently. The church never doubts, or at least it shouldn't doubt, Christ's love. I'm confident, as a member of the body of Christ, that Christ loves his body. That's Paul's point, isn't it? Here in Ephesians 5 as well. No one ever hates his own, but Christ doesn't hate his church. He loves his church. I'm confident of the love of Christ for his church. I'm confident of it because I know he died on a cross to save me, to bring me, to make me a part of that church. I know he brings me to this table and I'm confident. I'm confident of Christ's love for me here. I'm confident of the fact that he is going to feed me. I'm confident of the fact that he is going to nourish me. I'm confident of the fact that he is going to strengthen me. I'm confident of the fact that when I die, he is going to take me to be with him in glory. I am confident of his love and that there is nothing that can separate me from that love. As the church submits to Christ, so a wife is to submit to her husband. But there's always the question, what came first, the chicken or the egg, isn't there? So what's to happen first? Is a wife supposed to have the confidence that her husband is going to love her and throw her complete trust is her husband supposed to love her? Trusting that she will respond with submission? And so oftentimes what happens is we wait. Who's going to be first in this? Who's going to, who's going to be the one? Who, are you going to love me like Christ loves the church? Are you going to submit to me like the church does to Christ? Really, when you stop to think of it, that's probably the basis of most of the disruptions we have. Now, men, you're not going to like to hear this, but it's our responsibility to go first. That's the responsibility we are given. That's what headship means. Headship means 
that we never wait to love our wives as Christ as we never wait to love our wives as Christ loved the church until she submits. Christ loved us while we were yet his enemies. We are called to go first. But wife, to that love, pale sometimes as it is, you are to respond as the church does to the glorious love of Christ. Willingly, completely, respectfully, obediently, purely, confidently. Lord, you've told me to submit to my husband. I don't know if I can, but I trust you. And I trust your command. Father, thank you for your word. This is not the way of the world. But it is the way of truth. Forgive us for failures. Renew within us a desire to love and submit in the way that your word calls us to do so as husbands and as wives. So that, Father, the marriages of little farms might ring out to this world the glorious relationship of Christ's love and of the church submission to Christ. To your glory and to your honor. In Christ we pray and God's people say, Amen.